Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and I am drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. I have a really special guest coming up on the podcast at the end of the month. His name is Ken Blanchard. You probably know who he is, but if you don't, know this. He is a legend in the leadership space. He is the co-author of more than 65 books, including the iconic The One Minute Manager, which had a combined sales of over 23 million copies. He was inducted into Amazon's Hall of Fame as one of the top 25 best-selling authors of all time. That's a legend. And he's going to be coming up on the show on the week of January 30th, So make sure you subscribe and tell your friends so you don't miss this special episode. Now, if you're looking to support what I do on the show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrunny.com or visit my sponsors, bottomguttoncoffee.com and ihavethewatch.com. Both of my sponsors use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Ralph Speck. Ralph is a successful entrepreneur who credits his success to the people and company culture that he and his co-founders created. In fact, he says the best companies have a soul. Well, that's an interesting subject. Do great companies have a soul? If they do, what does it look like? And if they don't, how do you create one? Well, Ralph has all those answers and more on this episode. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. To deep leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ralph Speck. Ralph is the co-founder of Spark44, a global marketing communication company which grew under his leadership to over $100 million in revenue and 1,200 employees. He and his fellow co-founders built a company with a high level of creative performance, as well as strong employee engagement 
and satisfaction. He is the author of a new book coming out this year called Building Corporate Soul with the express purpose of making soulless companies a thing of the past. Uh, now, if you're a longtime listener to the show, you know I talk about the soul-sucking nature of many corporate jobs. So I am excited to have him on the show to talk about this very interesting topic. So, Ralph, welcome to the show. Well, John, thank you very much for having me. It's, a, it's my pleasure. Uh, so uh, thank you for being on the show, and congratulations on this new book. And I'm really excited to talk about it, the idea of soul in a company. So this is going to be interesting. So first of all, tell us about Spark 44. You know, it's a company you built from scratch. And what was so special about the culture of that company? And when did you realize that it actually had a soul? Well, the company was a joint venture with Jaguar and Land Rover, um, basically in charge of all the marketing communications across the world. And uh, I had the lucky situation that uh, I was part of a five-founder group of people who basically got this off the ground back in 2011. And um, I think the, the first moment when I felt this was, was going to be special was when we got to finally got the, um, the handshake that, okay, we're going to do this, it's going to happen. Um, and the five of us were sitting in a room in London um, of a befriended agency. And we said, so, okay, now, we, now we're ready to go. How are we going to do it? And um, culture was one question that we discussed. And um, it was actually one of these moments when you have, like, uh, in, in our case, five people in a room. And all of a sudden, there's silence. Because we were all contemplating, so how are we going to do it? And and it's a it's a tough question. And uh, the way we actually tackled it was by flipping the question and saying, so how are we not going to do it? What are the behaviors in the company that we don't want to see? And we basically created that list very quickly, actually, um, and then uh, spent an afternoon thinking about what do we have to do in order to construct the company to avoid these situations to happen. And that's what built the, built the culture or was what, what built the bedrock of the culture. And then obviously making sure uh, living by these ideals and living by these um, propositions was what we were doing. And uh, to the large part, I think we were successful in doing it. That created that culture. And uh, I did not actually uh, think about it as a company with soul in the beginning. Um, that was something that happened um, when I got inspired to write the book. But uh, um, and, and the thought of soul came um, by an article in the Harvard Business Review, which was titled um, The Soul of a Startup. Mm -hmm. And um, when I read that, I felt that language actually hit the nail right on his head, I think. Uh, companies do have a soul, um, but I don't think it's uh, limited to startups. Um, I think it's a question of, of for any company, any size, any category, any any industry um, can have soul. And I finally realized we had soul. We had built a company with soul when I received um, the messages from uh, members of my team when my departure was announced and. Uh, I've got two that I'm always referring to. There's a few more in the book, but um, the um, as the my departure was a bit of a surprise to everyone. 
Um, the one message said, Ralph, the respect that you have from me and the people of Spark 44 will never ever change despite the turmoil and shock. The MDs that I have talked to are saying the best way to show you the respect is to honor your mantra to let's go get to work and make sure we keep things afloat, which I think is a testament to the leaders you have nurtured. And another one said, thank you for your continued belief in me. Thank you. I've accomplished things that I never have thought I was capable of. Thanks to Spark 44, I have become a leader. You've given me the trust in the dance floor. You and your partners have achieved something incredible. That's when I realized we built a company with soul. Oh, that's really neat. That's that's special. You know, I've I've spent I spent 22 years in in working in corporations. Uh, I spent time in the military, and I spent now I have six years in a startup. <clears throat> and I would say that you kind of know it when a when a, when a, a, a company has soul and when it doesn't. There's something special about a company that has soul. Is that is that what you feel as well too? Yeah, I think you sense. If things, if there's something that's wrong, you sense that very quickly. <laughs> um, you also sense if um, things. I hate to say live in perfect harmony because it's not about harmony. Um, but living in perfect harmony doesn't mean it's always harmonious. Um, and uh, actually, I mean, I, rem I remember one situation. Uh, we had we had grown the company very very quickly. In the first three years, we went from 80 people to 250 people. And then in year three, um, and that was already quite quite something. And then we went from 250 people to 750 people in six months. That was when we also had um, an increase of uh, six offices to 19 offices at, at the time, all within six months. So that was quite, quite something. I think we all remember that very well. And uh, we had our first um, leadership get together. And as you can imagine, there were many people who hadn't been with the company um, uh, for, for longer than like a month or two. And um, Steve, um, who was the uh, CEO at the time and our initial founder and I, uh, in the middle of a pretty normal presentation that I think Steve held, uh, got into an argument um, and um, I said, Steve, that's just not right what you're saying. It's just, just that it's, it's different. And Steve kept on talking and said, no, 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 this is what it is. And I said, no, this isn't what it is. And we kept on talking and a friend of mine compared it to like um, John McEnroe and, and Bjorn Borg and Wimbledon in this five-set uh, five uh, Wimbledon uh, final back 20, 30 years ago. It was like the back and forth, the ping pong, and it was very heavy. And, and for many people in the audience, this was a very special moment because initially they couldn't believe what they were seeing. So they were either hired by me or Steve, more or less. Um, and so they either knew him a bit better or me a bit better, but they couldn't uh, digest what they, what they were watching, uh, such a heavy debate between the two leaders of the company. And um, finally, uh, because we couldn't agree, <laughs> we just stopped the discussion, got into a big hug and said, let's have a coffee break. And everybody was very relieved. And after afterwards, we said, "Well, listen, actually, I mean, this wasn't staged. This was just yeah. happening." Um, but it, 
proved to us that the culture we had created allowed for everybody mm-hmm. to have a have an argument about something if they were convinced about something just get it on and um, and have the discussion and um, that helped a lot of people to understand that our mantra which was being bold brave and honest uh, was not just nice words on a um, PowerPoint, but actually reality in what we were, what we were trying to to live. I love that, and because also too, the other thing it shows you know the leaders as being authentic, right? And uh, so you're being your true self, and instead of having this meeting where everything is staged and you know in, and it's going to be properly communicated in a certain way, and everybody stays on script, you were authentic to your feelings, and it was consistent with the values of the company, and that's. Uh, I think when people see authenticity, they react well to it. They said, okay, well, this is this is who we are as a company. So there, it's it's authentic. It's not fake, phony, staged. It's it's real life and it's real people having real debates. You know, good people can argue about the best ways going forward on any any particular topic. And 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 a company that allows for that, allows for people to have their authentic voice and, and to have their voice heard is is one that where people feel respected that their voice matters. So I think demonstrating that on stage is a, is a powerful way to do it. <laughs> so that's, that's great. Um, so, you know, if you look, if you look, you know, you've been, you know, uh, this company wasn't your, wasn't, you know, the first place you worked, you, you've worked in other companies, you've, you've, you've consulted with a lot of companies. What's the problem with most corporations? Why do so many employees feel underappreciated undervalued? Why are so many people leaving companies because they feel like there's no opportunities to grow? What's wrong today? Well, there's a a piece of research that McKinsey have just issued in the, I think, October last year, October 2021. Um, And that piece of research, I think, tells it all when it comes to the perception gap between employees and employers. Um, because what the research states are the number of reasons or the key reasons why employees leave and the key reasons why that employers believe why employees leave. And they couldn't be any more different, right? <laughs> yes. So, so the, the, the top three reasons why employees leave, um, uh, they don't feel valued by their organization. They don't feel valued by their manager and they, they miss a sense of belonging. Mm. And if you look at these three, they are what people would call, well, they are soft, soft reasons, right? That's not the hard reason. It's not the money. It's not the time of the commute. It's not the office um, environment and all of that is how they feel at work. So the emotional element is critical. Now, when you compare that to what employers think, why they believe employees are leaving, they say, well, they might be looking for a better job, uh, the compensation was inadequate, uh, or there might be poor health. Um, and all of these um, reasons that, that are very credible, um, but actually it, it already shows you how differently employers and employees look at the same thing. And um, the only middle ground is both, uh, that's number four for both, uh, is like work-life balance kind of, kind of thing. But actually, 
being valued by the organization and being valued by the manager and feeling a sense of belonging. And I think that came true or came through these statements that I just uh, read to you that I received. They, they, they were speaking exactly of that. I've, I felt valued by the organization. I, I was given an opportunity. People uh, believed in me and people gave me strength and gave me training, gave me support um, so that I could be myself my real self uh, at the workplace and develop. And uh, um, I think that's probably the biggest issue that people um, don't feel valued. And uh, when, when you think about it for a second and keep in mind that um, when you're leading an organization, you're dealing with lots of constraints. There's usually not enough time, there's not enough budget, there's not enough this and not, not enough that. Um, there's one thing that actually can come for free uh, for leaders as a resource, which is commitment. Um, mm -hmm. But in order for it to come for free, uh, they just have to do a few things right in order to make sure that people uh, can can show that commitment. And um, that a lot of that is uh, is uh, driven by uh, clarity of communication. Um, involvement. People are involved in setting the goals and, and the way to, to get there. Um, commitment uh, in increases. So it's not rocket science. It's nothing nothing that people have never heard or heard about. I think it's about doing it. It's, it's about action. And uh, that's what matters. I love that. <clears throat> I love that. I think the you touched on one, the sense of belonging is a big part of it. I know you know, in my time in the military, there was a sense of belonging. We had a purpose. We had a mission. We were all in it together. When I left for the corporate world, I didn't feel that sense of purpose. I didn't feel that sense of belonging. We weren't we weren't aligned. Everybody was kind of doing their own separate things, trying to manage their own careers. Every division was trying to focus on their profitability. And, you know, there was conflict. And I just didn't feel that sense of belonging. And it was and it led for me in the beginning to say, like, why am I here? Why am I even at this company? You know, and uh, I think a lot of people sense that when they come into jobs in, in big companies where there isn't uh, a common purpose, a sense of belonging. I think that's that's missing in a lot of companies. And and actually, you say that you say in the book, a shared purpose is the key to building a corporate soul. So I wanted to talk about that shared purpose. How is why is that shared purpose so important in building that soul? Well, when you looked at the shelves at a Barnes and Noble or an Amazon um, online store and talked and looked for purpose books, I think that that um, that number of books on purpose have increased over the last ten years, like like not many other categories. Yes, uh, actually. And I've also bought a few of them and 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 read them and and. Um, initially thought, well, this is all the right thing. But then I thought, well, most of them talk about purpose as if if you know your purpose or, or the purpose of the company, it's done. And that's actually not true. Um, there's nothing wrong with purpose. <laughs> um, but to me, purpose is a means to an end. It's not the end. And the books very often suggest that it's the end. Um, so why did I call it the shared purpose? Well, first of all, 
um, as you just said, you you went from the military to an organization and asked yourself, why am I here? What, what am I doing here? What, what is this all about? Um, and that's a perfect example of, a, of joining a company that might have a purpose, but nobody knows about it. Mm-hmm. So there might be a wonderful um, seven words statement at, in the reception hall. And you might, when you receive your contract, you might get it in a nice letter. Our purpose is about this and that and the other, but actually it's not lived. And to me, the, the word shared is a critical word in what I have called my framework, the soul system. Um, and shared comes at two levels. The first level is, um, it is the most basic one that the entire leadership team a knows about the purpose and b uh, understands and c supports uh, that purpose. So the purpose is shared as a as a tool as a as an idea amongst all of them. But even if that's happened, it's only half the half the way because the other element is people in the company need to understand it. They need to be aware of it. And um, there's a wonderful uh, study from uh, EY, which is called the Business Case for Purpose. And they've looked into, uh, on a quantitative uh, basis, uh, what leaders think and what um, uh, employees think inside the company. So they're saying 89% of of the leaders um, confirm that an organization with shared purpose will have employee satisfaction. Um, and uh, then they but then they say, my organization has a strong sense of purpose of only 46%. So 89% say it's the right thing, 46% it's happening here. And that gap is the issue, right? And um, and then when, when you look into, when you ask them about how, uh, does your staff have a clear understanding of organizational purpose and commitment to core values and beliefs? They say it's only 38%. And a lot of that, I think, um, has its reason in, in, um, in, in, in the fact that people are not aware of it. So you can't believe in something that you don't know. It's as simple as that. So uh, leaders have to make sure that um, people know, and to know it the, is, is one thing. Um, if you read it and you, you know yourself, I mean, you've read, you've read, I don't know how many books and, and, uh, same for me. And you might, you might be able to, um, to put together a synopsis of 5% of all the books that you've ever read. Um, and and same is happening in business. Um, just putting up a statement and believing that is that that is it already is just not enough. And and you see in the military, which is probably uh, one example of where uh, purpose, mission, and values are are very heavily said. Um, companies very often lack that. So the the aspect of a shared purpose is critical. Um, but once you have that, that's only the starting point. As I said, it's a means to an end. Then comes what I call the shared understanding, mm. which is basically um, a shared understanding of the key elements of corporate strategy. So what's the vision? What's the mission? Which are the values? And um, what's the spirit? 
spirit is something that I often don't see in literature um, as, a, as a space, I, I believe is very critical because to me, spirit is the intended corporate culture. So if you're setting up a company or you're leading a company and you see a culture that has aspects that you think are not right, um, you got to start describing what you want, what you believe is right. Um, and because to me, corporate culture is what it is. Spirit is what it's supposed to be. And ideally, obviously, the two are pretty close, close with each other. And then, and that's coming back to this notion of uh, making it easy for people to understand um, what the purpose uh, is and, and, and where the company wants to go uh, is what I call the shared behaviors. Uh, because if, if if these behaviors are so clear and they're being um, they're happening inside the company in many areas of the of, uh, of the business, so as an employee, even if you don't want to see it, you can't avoid seeing it. So it's just your colleagues are doing it this way. This is how uh, how promotions are handled inside the company. This is how new hires are being uh, made. This is even. Um, uh, which is obviously the not so nice part of the story. When people are asked to leave, this is how this happens uh, in, in, inside the company. Um, it's all these codes inside a company that basically uh, uh, build the culture. And, and uh, if they are in sync with what the purpose um, is and what the corporate strategy elements uh, ah, then I think you're very close to having a company with soul and the people to ask whether you get a company with soul are the employees, not the leaders. The leaders, I mean, I, I just had an email the other week from someone um, who liked um, my vision of making soulless companies a thing of the past and said, well, actually, we, I think we have a company with soul. And I said to them, well, congratulations, that's great. <laughs> but uh, I'd rather have your people tell me that than you tell me that <laughs> because right. um, you might have a different view on it mm -hmm. and your people might not see it. So it's, it's, it's a big topic and, and, uh, uh, and, and, there, and there's some theory uh, that is required to, to, to get things right when you, when you get, uh, get into it. Um, but the theory is only there to make sure the, the the reality and the and the and the, and the, and the every day inside the company uh, has its uh, um, space or defines the space in which it's happening. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets.
Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. As, as a leader myself, as a CEO of my my company, you know how do you, like you said, how do you know that there is sync between the spirit or the intention and the actual you know uh, you know behaviors that are existing? And I remember in one case, one of our shared values is that we watch out for each other, we keep each other safe. That we that we you know we we're, I run a manufacturing business, so we we watch over each other, we keep each other safe. That's one of our values. And I remember we had a stand up meeting one morning and uh, one of our longstanding employees just announced that that she was pregnant with her first baby. And I looked around the room and everyone was crying. Everyone was so excited for her. And it was just it was, a it, you know, being someone comes coming from corporate where there sometimes wasn't a soul to an environment where people were crying for out of joy for one of our employees. It just, you know, announced she's having her first baby. It was just like I'm seeing I'm seeing that soul. I'm seeing what, what our values were played out in real life. And uh, when you see those little glimmers of that as a as a CEO, you're like, this is this is it. You know, this is exciting. This is maybe we're moving in the right direction. You know, maybe we're we're you know, we we, we do have some of those behaviors that we had intended to set when we started the company. Yeah. And, and as you know, of being a CEO. Uh, and, and running a company, sometimes it's a very lonely moment yeah. that, that you face, especially when things are not right uh, or there's something happening that isn't exactly what you had thought should happen. Um, but I think you you understand and you see from um, from those moments when you think you're you're the loneliest man on the ship. Uh, as I see the ships in behind your uh, <laughs> behind your behind your back. Um, the there's a huge reward actually yeah. uh, that that comes when you see it happen, and and uh, and that is something that is very important to capture. It's not just only important for yourself, um, as it's obviously is a, it's definitely a feel good moment. Um, it's actually I think very important to capture uh, for the entire company and 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 to. To, to put it to words so that uh, people also understand what they have just seen. Mm, I like that. Because the, I mean, I've seen two things happening. One was when when, when new employees were coming uh, and they had uh, been in, in other places, mm. um, they very quickly gathered there was something different here and it, 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 it played out differently, it felt differently. And at the same time, obviously, there were also uh, employees leaving the company because they were pursuing other opportunities, and that was fine. And uh, um, and even as we, I think we had a great sense of belonging, there might have been people that didn't feel that sense of belonging because it's never 100%, as you know. But um, what was interesting to me was when these situations happened, when people were leaving, 
others who um, were leading the team or other colleagues were often said to them, well, you will remember what you what you've left here once you are in your new company because you think this is normal this is kind of the way it is everywhere let me tell you one thing it is not mm, yes and, um, yeah. it was interesting when then every now and then people came back um just for a coffee or so and and, and, and there was a conversation and um some were lucky to find other places that had a similar uh, culture, different, but at the similar, uh, similar level. Um, and others were saying, well, I didn't know what I was leaving. Mm, yeah. Yeah, they realized after, after they left. Yeah, that's that, right. and that's too bad. Yeah. So um, I wanted to touch on it real quick. You do have uh, in the book what you call a soul index, where you measure the soul of a company and you can compare different companies. And Tell us, you know, with with that, with the way you've set up the Soul Index, what typically do you see out of the companies that have a high Soul Index? What kind of performance do you see typically of those that score higher on your index? Well, the index, uh, the idea of the index came to me when I finished uh, the book. Uh, as you can imagine, the books about lots of uh, companies and case studies uh, from, from various industries. And when you write a book like that, you get yourself involved into lots of research and lots of surveys. And, and you just want to know and, and, and you find out and some things are a surprise and others, others are expected. Uh, and there was one thing um, as I had finished the book when I thought, well, actually, um, there's so many uh, rankings um, and you have corporate culture rankings like the great place to work or, or Glassdoor or, or others like that. And you got um, business performance rankings like the best global brands and others. And I thought, well, interestingly, um, there are correlations um, between culture and success. Um, it's not... Uh, it's not the same, but it's also not uh, entirely different. So what about look, uh, building an index that takes into account what employees think about their company? Mm. How satisfied are they? How engaged are they? Uh, what approval rates do their CEOs get? And at the same time, um, uh, include a set of information about uh, the performance, the business performance, the brand performance of these companies. That's what I did. The, um, the top 20 index uh, of, of 2021 showed uh, Adobe, Salesforce, and Microsoft heading uh, the league table. The performance was stunning. I was surprised. I, I mean, I did expect a good performance. I was surprised when I received the first spreadsheet uh, as the sole index over five years delivered 199% return. And even NASDAQ, which was obviously the performing index in uh, over the last years, delivered 180 and an S&P 83. Um, and we're lucky as we're recording this show on the, uh, in early January. Um, I just received the, 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 the full year results of 2021. And even uh, for that full year, the sold index delivered 34.99 versus NASDAQ 26.81 and S&P 27.04. So uh, kind of works, apparently. And um, as, I, as I mentioned, the key 
uh, in this index is employee data satisfaction, um, engagement, and CEO approval. And it's interesting that a lot of tech companies are in this space. Um, so uh, it's probably because for tech companies, the only thing they have is human capital, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so from the get-go, and, and obviously these companies were founded in the in the mid '70s with uh, like the likes of, of Apple and, and Microsoft um, uh, through the the early 2000s with Workday, I think in, in 2005. Um, you, know, you could probably argue that all of these companies have got. Uh, from the get-go, a sense of uh, of a generational, new generational understanding of the importance of, of of employees. But that said, there's also two companies in the in the index with uh, American Express and the British consulting company Deloitte, uh, mm -hmm. which are both uh, from from the mid nineteenth uh, century, <laughs> actually. Um, so. Um, some companies get it, um, and what was interesting in in, in putting the, the data together was um, the more backwards you went. I mean, my my index started in 2016, uh, and that was the first year where there was actually uh, in a, a real set of companies uh, because the um, the public data about uh, employee engagement, satisfaction, CEO approval. Uh, are, are a pretty young uh, thing. They only only exist for a few years, so you can't go back um, decades with with that, with that index. But the good news was, as I saw the criteria um, applying for these um, data sources, the number of companies that were actually potentially part of the index uh, did grow year by year, which I think is a good example. Good good, uh, good example of. Um, the more leaders are getting the importance of uh, a sound corporate culture. Interesting. That's great. Well, so, and you've got the, in the book, you've got a list of the, the, the kind of high performing companies and what kind of, you know, uh, financial, you know, results come from having this high, uh, you know, high soul index as well too. So, which yeah, is I mean, very interesting. Some, I mean, you had companies like Adobe, Salesforce and Microsoft heading it up. I mean, these are... Yeah three of the most successful companies of the last decade. So um, there is very often you get this sense of, oh, yeah, corporate culture is nice to have. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's actually, uh, we, we will take care of it when we get time. Um, and those companies and Microsoft probably the, the, the most interesting one because of the change in corporate culture with the leadership uh, shift back in uh, 10 years ago. Um, it's that shift in culture that brought the company back because the company wasn't in good shape. Um, right. Yeah. Took over. That's a whole different thing today. Yeah. I, it's funny because I, you know, often when I talk about this, because a lot of my leadership work is on people and, 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 you know, I always say leadership is a people business and um, some people call that uh, soft skills. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as you have found out, as your data shows, is that if you manage the people well and you create, you know, if you create a, the right culture and these shared values and a sense of belonging, it actually leads to good financial performance as well, too. So the two are related. Right. Yeah. So it's not just soft skills for the sake of soft skills. 
if you do soft skills right, the hard numbers typically follow. True. Absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, um, you know, we have a lot of people listening to the show that that might be uh, middle managers in their company. They might be, um, maybe they might find themselves like running a division or running a department or running a factory, running a call center, and they might consider the company they're working for kind of a soulless company. Can someone uh, in middle management, you know, create soul in their own, you know, sphere of influence? Can, can you, if you work in a soulless company, can you create a department or a division with, with some soul in it? Well, yes, you can. <laughs> um, and I think if you are in this position and, and think you want to do it, go ahead and do it because it's definitely a good thing to do. But as you can imagine from the way I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it, I'm not 100% convinced that it's the, the most sustainable solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you got to be conscious of the fact that what you're doing might not have a long shelf life um, because you might leave, somebody else might leave inside your team or other, others are, are, are leaving and things will change quickly. Um, I think what is really critical, if you have a sense of we need to improve the culture here and and uh, you're saying, well, I got to start it at least in my space so that I think we got the right uh, culture and that's a good thing to do. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, but ideally, I'd suggest you do two things at the same time. One is you start that approach um, and, and, and see where it takes you and see where, where it takes your team or your department. Um, but secondly, you start a discussion with your, um, uh, your manager, your lead, your director, whatever the, the organizational structure um, suggests, and um, create awareness for what you're doing. So don't do it um, kind of in, in secrecy. Um, do it in the open. And um, one of the things when I talked about commitment that are important is um, making sure people understand what actions deliver which results. Be open about it and create create an atmosphere of um, transparency about both the goals and the achievements. And when you do that, share them wider than than just in your group. Don't make the mistake to be focused just on your team and say, oh, we've done done great um, and become an even more insular solution inside your company. Um, Share those results, those initial um, um, marks of success with your leaders and make sure they understand that these aren't just marks of success because the team has just done a great job on this, on that, or the other, but that these are marks of success based on the different culture that you've tested in your company's team and uh, make it something the company can learn from and find allies, find people who, who look at what you've done and say, well, this is actually interesting. How can we do this together? And uh, so build it uh, 
bottom up. Um, but I warn you, don't be, get too excited. Bottom up in this space is something that very rarely works. You've got to find and got to seek um, commitment from your leaders and make sure they understand um, that what is happening is actually great for the company um, and is something that is worth exploring for the wider com company and not just a single team or two single, single teams inside the company. If that happens, I think you've got a perfect um, formula to actually uh, enhance the cu culture inside the company, um, build a company, build a, build a culture of <clears throat> uh, high performance and success, uh, and one where people feel that sense of belonging um, and feel valued by the organization and feel valued by their manager. And if you're there, then I think you've done a great job. <laughs> I love it. That's great advice. So, so, Ralph, how can people find out more about you and this book? Well, the book's out um, in just a few weeks, in, in uh, uh, late February, early March. Uh, and that's available everywhere we can buy great books. It's also going to be available as an audiobook. Um, and there's a website, which is called build, uh, buildingcorporatesoul.com, um, which uh, features all the news about the book, um, great podcasts like yours, um, and uh, always updates on the Soul Index, because that's obviously going to change uh, once a year. Um, and uh, find out more what's going on in the sphere. Oh, that's great. We'll, we will uh, put that link in the show notes for everyone listening in their cars. And you want to go back and you want to find that, it's uh, we'll put that in, link in the show notes. So, Ralph, it's been great to have you on the show. Congratulations on this new book. I'm excited about it. I think you're talking about something that is needed these days. Uh, your vision of, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, uh, to make solos companies a thing of the past. I, I love that. <laughs> I love hearing that. And I love what you're doing. And I think this is a really exciting topic. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of your insight on this topic. Thank you, John. It's been my pleasure. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baclaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wannabet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. 
but I like Airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid.